When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, August 29th, day two of the 2023 U.S. Open, now officially in the books. What I want to do for all of you tennis fans on this recap show is, of course, break down the biggest storylines from the past 24 hours of tennis in New York, just in case you missed out on any of the 64 matches. I'm going to break things down by category on these recap show. We'll start, of course, with the upsets. There were eight on the day, four in each of the men's and women's singles draws. Now, I don't know how surprising any of those results were. If you listen to our Great Shot podcast preview shows, which, by the way, you can find around 3, 4 p.m. Eastern time every day over on the Great Shot podcast feed, you know I had six of our eight seeds that were ultimately upset on upset alert entering the day, and we'll break down how each of these upsets unfolded, but I'm not surprised at any of the men's upsets. Karen Hatchinov coming off of a long injury layoff, had a really physical matchup with Michael Moe. The 25-year-old American was excellent. We'll get into that on today's podcast, but again, how surprising is that result in a vacuum? I'm not certain it is that surprising at all. Sebi Baez beat Borna Chorch last week in Winston-Salem. Now, the scoreline was surprising, particularly that lopsided third set, but the ultimate result, I would argue, no. Not expected, but not unlikely either. The Berrettini scoreline is not- notable. Straight sets over on Bear. We'll get into that. And again, Arthur Fee, Talon Griegsport, probably played our match of the day, a five-set win for the 19-year-old Frenchman. Get into all those men's upset again, uh, upsets, excuse me, plural, upsets on the women's side. Yet four upsets as well. I had Caroline Garcia, Anastasia Potapova, both on upset alert. They were each ultimately knocked off on the day. Garcia, disappointing scoreline, even if she is facing the very much informed Wang Yifan in round one, or faced, I should say, the very much informed Wang Yifan, but four and one. Disappointing. We'll talk about it on today's show. The shocking ones, Bronzetti over Krejcikova, did not see that coming. Vickery over Vekic didn't see that one coming either, although certainly injury played a factor in that result. I mean, again, eight upsets on the day. Plenty of fodder for us to discuss here on this show. That said, I don't know how surprising any of those results were. We'll treat them on a case-by-case basis, I suppose, here on today's show. Get into the stats of those matches as well. In terms of going the distance, you had six matches go three sets on the women's side. Five matches go five sets on the men. Now, that's one less than yesterday's total on the men's side, but certainly... Always enjoyable, exciting to have a two-sets-to-love comeback victory. We got that in Grigor Dimitrov. Hoopy Hercots does the same. Talk about each of those results. We'll get into that nightcap. That was the Echeverry Vertanen 7-6 in the fifth finish. Plenty of fun in the going-to-the-distance category. Again, we'll talk about the Americans. There were... I believe 13 American women competing on day two, only four American men. So we'll break down those results. We'll talk about the players with college ties. I believe there were two on the women's side, seven on the men's side. So again, we got a jam-packed show for all of you listeners. Hopefully after you hear today's podcast, you will feel well informed about everything that happened on day two of this 2023 U.S. Open. Of course, before we begin today's show, a quick shout out to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. Of course, a shout out to all of you listeners as well for continuing to tune in day in, day out going to try and have these podcasts posted at a more efficient time for all of you moving forward. Still recovering from my five-week road trip, but I feel much better. 
I know we're right on schedule with our preview shows. Time to get these mini breaks back on schedule as well. With all of that said, let's get into day two of the 2023 U.S. Open. Again, let's start with the upsets. I know I already alluded to some of them. The most straightforward upset and probably the most disappointing in how straightforward it was, was the Wangi Fan victory over Caroline Garcia. Now, as I said in the preview show, Wangi Fan comes into this U.S. Open in exceptional form. You look at what she's done, you know, not necessarily at the tour level, but certainly uh, what she's done and put together at the ITF level this season. When any time a player wins uh, over 60%, of their matches. They have our attention anytime a player in particular on this show, as you know, uh, surpasses that two-thirds rule. You're winning two-thirds of your matches. You're making a quarterfinals in just about every event that you play. You're continuing to progress above, uh, up the rankings. Wang Ya, I keep saying Wang Yifan. I, I apologize. Wang Yafan is 57-10 and 10 overall on the year. Let me say that again for all of you. 57-10 and 10 is the 29-year-old Wang Yafan. I don't care what level you're doing it at. You win, what, 85% of your matches since the start of February, and she's played 67 matches since the start of February. Again, all of them at the ITF level prior to this U.S. Open where she comes through qualifying, doesn't drop a set, wins her first-round qualifying match 0-0, now a 4-1 win over Caroline Garcia. Look, Wang Yafan was 47 in the world back in October of 2019. But after dealing with injuries and, you know, again, a six-month layoff last season, she comes back out here in February, builds her ranking back up. Six titles, as I mentioned, at the ITF level. Most notably, she wins that 125K in Stanford in the middle of August. Now she gets a signature top 10 victory to kick off her U.S. Open campaign, second top 10 victory of her career, first since 2019 when she beat Svitolina in Miami. You look at in terms of top 20 victories in her career, it's only her third overall and also, again, her first since that win in Miami. It's 3-17 against the top 20 in her career, but success breeds confidence And in a sport where parity is becoming increasingly apparent, that confidence is what separates things. And there's just no doubt the, I mean, it's so superficial to say confidence is what made the difference. But Caroline Garcia had no confidence in this match in anything outside of her aggressive weaponry, anything outside of first serve, first strike. And you look for Caroline Garcia, 18 winners against 34 unforced errors. She was 0 for 3 on breakpoint chances. She didn't break serve. Like that that's the crux of the issue in this match. Is she had an early opportunity to break serve to separate herself in set number one, wasn't able to capitalize on it. You know, Wang Yafan created 10 breakpoints for herself, converted on four of them. Wang Yafan was athletic. She came out with a brilliant game plan. It was very simple. Spread the court. Get Garcia stretched into the outer third because if Garcia has her feet set, she is so dangerous and so explosive, so aggressive, so eager to move forward and the point on her terms. She also did enough with the first serve into the body, into the backhand, that it just felt like Garcia must have missed 20 returns throughout the course of this match. And when you're not giving yourself a chance to play the point, you're just not going to have an opportunity to win the match. And so... You know, again, it's the same script for Caroline Garcia. We know what that top speed looks like. We know how successful she is when she's on her front foot, when she's able to dictate. If you can get her knocked off that front foot, things become a problem for her. And on the day when she's trying to take that return of serve early on the rise and it's not working for her, those problems are amplified and exponentially increase. And so, again... More than anything for Wang Yafan, she was just rock solid. I thought she was extraordinarily fluid in the outer thirds. She's so efficient and quick around the court, and her footwork was tremendous in finding inside-out forehands to really get Garcia spread into that backhand corner. It was a very simple game plan, but extraordinarily well executed. And again, you look for Wang Yafan now, 57-10 and 10 overall on the season. This is the signature when she came into the week, ranked number 114 with this result. Uh, she finds herself now all the way back up to number 94 in the live rankings, just back in the mix at 29 years old. And, you know, now you get to plan the schedule a little bit differently heading into 2024 
she was the better player. She was the more informed player. You could see the doubt trickle in for Garcia, particularly after she dropped that opening set, having just dropped serve the one time. Frustration continued to mount. Again, a credit to Wang Yafan did nothing extraordinary, just did everything she needed to do correctly. And so, again, straight set winner, biggest upset of the day. She knocks out the number seven seeded Garcia. And, you know, now for Wang Yafan, the draw really opens up for her. Faces Katie Bolter in round number two. Bolter's a favorite, according to Tennis Abstract, 53.4%. But Wang Yafan has done more winning, particularly on hard courts, than Bolter this season. After that, she'd face the winner of Stearns, Tossin, in round number three. And by the way, did I not say the Peyton Stearns match against Tomova was significant to the draw because I thought Peyton Stearns was going to have a serious opportunity to make a run to round number four of this event? Well, now that opportunity for all four of these players, Wang Yafan, Katie Bolter, Peyton Stearns, and then obviously Clara Tawson, who pulls off your other upset on the day, three sets over Anastasia Potapova. One of those players is making the fourth round of this event. I think for two of them, you know, for Stearns, NCAA champion, 21, 22 years old, still rising up the rankings, this would be a signature breakthrough moment for Tawson, who's dealt with so many injuries but already has a couple of tour-level titles. This would be a welcome back. I'm healthy. I'm where I need to be once again. Wang Yafan, same deal. Katie Bolter won her first title this year. Why not throw a U.S. Open fourth round in the mix? Narrative-wise, I think it's really easy to sell this section of the draw. I think they all come in with, you know, reasons to get excited if any of these four players make the fourth round. And guess what? Again, one of Wang Yafan, Katie Bolter, Peyton Stearns, and Clara Tawson is making the fourth round of this event. That's what happens when your two seeds are eliminated right out of the gates. Garcia out. Potapova knocked off 7-6-3-6-6-3 by Clara Tawson. Look, you all know how much Clara Tawson Kool-Aid I drink. The weapons are real. Her ability to blitz backhands down the line is just special. In this match, 29 winners against 43 unforced errors. I know that tells a significant storyline, but you got to look at the first set where she hit 11 winners, won 60, uh, excuse me, broke Potapova four different times and just had Potapova pushed back on her back foot. And it was very clear halfway through that first set, or really three quarters of the way through, Potapova goes, okay, I got to amp up my aggression. I got to take bigger swings on the first cut. I got to go after the ball more because if I just try to make this match physical, if I try to play through the center third of the court, Tossin is going to work me around. And that's why Potapova ultimately ends up with 57 unforced errors in this match to Tossin's 43, but 34 winners to Tossin's 29. You know, again, there are a lot of breaks in this match. Each player breaking serve, excuse me, eight different times. You were never quite sure which way this match was going to go. And again, Tossin 7-6-3-6-6-3. She ultimately advances. Look, Clara Tossin needed this victory. You look at what she had done to date so far this season you know, has had some success working her way through qualifying, getting back into tour-level main draws. She is 32-16 and 16 overall in the years, uh, on the year, excuse me, won a 60K event, made the final of a 40K as well. But you look at her record against top 50 opponents here this season. Clara Tossin now 4-1 and one against the top 50. She's beaten Begu in Linz, Fernandez in May, uh, at the role at Roland Garros, Krejcikova last week. Now Potapova here at the U.S. Open. Honest to God, that's not the record I expected. She's eight and eight against the top 100. That's more along the lines of what I was expecting. 87 in the world coming into this event. You get a first round win at a major. She's back up to number 78. And with indoor hard court events coming, a surface where she's won titles in her career. I think that's something for her to look forward to and continue to build. You know, I could see her winning Cluj-Napoca uh, in, what, that middle week of October or whatever it is around Halloween. So it's a good win for Clara Tossin. Tough, hardcore stretch for Potapova. Now, she got dealt some brutal draws again. Washington, she loses to Bencic first round, loses first round Muhova, Montreal, loses second round Vondrusova in Cincinnati. Dealt about as tough of a first-round draw as you could get in Clara Tossin, who, again, had to withdraw due to sickness against Fernandez in Cleveland, but looked really good in her first-round win over Krejcikova. 
Tossin was just swinging th- freely off that backhand wing, and it wasn't the cleanest tennis. But her firepower is what made is what disrupted the rhythm and the game plan of Potapova, and that ability to play on her terms is what makes her special moving forward. So again, Clara Tossin moves into round number two, very very winnable match against Peyton Stearns. Looked very good in a straight set victory, by the way. But again, that is now a wide open section of the draw. That said, let's move into our other upsets now. Again, two more overall on the day in the women's draw. Nightcap was Bronzetti over Krejcikova. This one's pretty simple. Krejcikova played poorly. I don't know how else to say it. 29 winners against 49 unforced errors. It felt in particular through that first half of the second set, and she made 29 unforced errors in the second set. She was just dumping forehand after forehand, and then the backhand started spraying, and really all Bronzetti had to do was survive, but credit to Krejcikova from five, uh, excuse me, from 4-1 down in that second set, does work her way back to 4-all, gets broken, but then breaks right back 4-5-all, is able to get to a second set breaker, but, you know, again, you could tell the lack of confidence she had in extending and really swinging freely, thoroughly, full speed through her forehand. She just thought that ball was going to sail on her because through the majority of the night it did. Bronzetti did a great job mixing things up with the slice, keeping the ball consistently at different targets, different shoulder points for Krejcikova in terms of contact points she had to make so that she was unable to find her rhythm. Bronzetti didn't do anything extraordinary. She just survived in this match. Again, a smart game plan. She allowed Krejcikova to beat herself. And look, after what was a really encouraging first three months of the season for Barbara Krejcikova, it's been a really disappointing stretch, uh, obviously, for her over the course of these past few months. You look at Krejcikova, not only a disappointing North American hardcourt season where she loses first-round Cincy, first-round Cleveland, first-round U.S. Open, Made a final in Birmingham, but second round Stuttgart, round of 16 Madrid, round of 32 Rome, first round exit to Serenko at Roland Garros. You look right now in the points race for Krejcikova. She's dropped all the way to 16th. You look for her right now in the live ranking. She's sitting at 11, but again, all the players uh, surrounding her, eight out of the next nine players behind her still alive in this U.S. Open. And, you know, again, the, the four players behind her are all within 400 points. So wouldn't take that much from top 16 players in the draw if they hold seed. A bunch of them will surpass Krejcikova over the course of the next week. It's a missed opportunity, obviously, for Krejcikova, given how well she started the seasons, particularly on the hard courts in the Middle East and, you know, plays the very competitive matches against Sabalenka in the Sunshine Swing. She's knocked out round one by Bronzetti uh, here at the U.S. Open. And then, look, Donna Vekic couldn't really move down the home stretch of the third set, but, man, credit to Sasha Vickery, a three-set winner over Donna Vekic. Vickery, of course, uh, the, what, I want to say 20... Yeah, 27-year-old, no, now 28, good math, Alex, 28-year-old American, 204 in the world coming in. She qualifies to get into the main draw with a couple of three-set victories. I mean, talk about absorbing, redirecting, using her fluidity, her movement so well to just extend every rally in this match. Again, Vekic couldn't really move down the home stretch of the third, but credit to Sasha Vickery, who beats you to the spot and then you know, again, hits that ball behind you because she has that extra second of time and because you're so busy recovery, even if she doesn't blitz you with pace, it's just perfectly placed. Again, very improvisational tennis that I thoroughly enjoyed watching. It was fun watching the pace of Vakic who was swinging so freely on so many returns of serve in the opening set. Uh, It was fun to see that pace counteracted by, again, the fluidity of Vickery and just her ability to extend points. And so, again, it's a massive run for Sasha Vickery, a massive moment as well, up 40 spots in the rankings, number 168 with this win. She wins another match. She'll jump all the way up to number 145, so back into the top 150. And you look in the draw, Vickery uh, has a very winnable match against Hreet Minen. So massive opportunity for the 28-year-old American now in this draw. She pulls off the fourth upset of the day. Those are your four upsets on the women's side. Again, Garcia, Vekic, uh, Potapova, 
and Krejcikova all knocked out. That means we now have eight upsets on the women's side as they join Sakari, Kudermatova, Kalinina, and Kochiaretto uh, on the sidelines moving forward. That said, I, I, we haven't lost the top five contender yet, right? And that top five was pretty darn definitive in Sviantek, Sabalenka, Rabakina, Pagula, Goff, maybe not necessarily in that order for you. So I don't know that we've had a significant upset. on we. I, no, I'm just going to say we didn't have a significant upset in the first round of this U.S. Open. Yes, we lost two top 10 seeds, but Garcia Sakari have struggled through various points of this season. And, you know, players like Krejcikova, Kudermatova didn't exactly come in with exceptional form either. So I'm going to say no significant upsets through round number one of the U.S. Open as we conclude that opening round here on day two. I would argue it's the same story on the men's side. And I'm going to go through these a little bit more quickly. Look, 6-2, Michael Moe knocks off 11-seeded Karen Hatchinoff. Hatchinoff just couldn't finish points against Michael Moe. And, of course, that's first and foremost what the 25-year-old presents. One of win healthy, if not the best movers we have on a hard court on the ATP Tour. And, you know, for Michael Moe in this match, only 21 unforced errors to Hatchinoff's 46. He was 13 of 16 at the net, which, if you know Michael Moe, even getting to the net 16 times, three years ago would have been a struggle. And I really like the confidence, the authority with which he hits that cross-court drop shot forehand volley. You don't need to be exceptional at every volley. You just need to know where to go in terms of what to cover when you're moving forward to the net and what you want to do with your first volley. And Michael Moe knows when I get a first volley on that forehand wing, I'm going short angle cross-court. And he executed it extraordinarily well in this match. I've talked about the retooling of his forehand. It really is drop the tip, give it a flip, that simple. But man, again, he's just so strong, so fluid that he can explode through that when he has time, even with that sort of technique. Again, because of his speed, he's able to absorb redirect pace really well on the backhand side. I thought he did a great job going down the line. He obviously has a bazooka of a first serve when it goes in, even if he only makes 59% of it in this match. But... The story was Hatchinoff. He only made 52% of his first serves, 26 winners against 46 unforced errors, 8 of 18 at the net. He was lost. He was wandering. And again, we haven't seen him play in three months. I don't as much. You have to give credit to Michael Moe. Went out there, won the match. It was it was an opportunity for him, and he capitalized on it, and that's the storyline coming out of it. I don't think Hatchinoff was a serious threat in this event. Just again, you need match play coming into three out of five. He did not have it coming out of injury, so I don't know how significant that upset is, even if there was an 11 next to Hatchinoff's name. Still, massive victory for Mo, who now in round number two has a very winnable match against John Isner. And you look for Michael Moe back up to number 84 in the live rankings, two off his career high. Victor will get him into the top 80 for the first time in his career. And again, very winnable match against John Isner, which is what happens when you knock out the seed in your section. Best match of the day belongs to 19-year-old Arthur Fee. His upset of 24th seeded uh, Talon Greek Spore Fee, ultimately, again, a five-set winner, uh, comes back from a two-sets-to-one deficit, takes a 4-6-6-3-5-7-6-4-7-5 victory over Greek Spore. I mean, I've talked a lot about the 19-year-old Frenchman this year who, of course, won the title in Lyon to start the season. Semifinals in Hamburg for him on the clay. So indoor hard courts, outdoor, uh, excuse me, outdoor clay courts, outdoor, um, you at, leave it in. It's fine, my stuff. But the outdoor clay court success paired with his semifinals in Montpellier in Marseille earlier this season. Of course, he had some success at the challenger level to start the year as well. He's 34 and 16 overall in the year. But even if you want to filter out all of the challenger success, he's 14 and 10 as a guy who turned 19 in June on the ATP Tour this season. He's holding serve 79.5% of the time, which, again, is outside the top 25, but as a 19-year-old, pretty darn solid. He's breaking serve 22.4% of the time, which is right around average for a top 50 player. Again, for a 19-year-old, you love to see that. The forehand backswing is big, and there were certainly times in the match where the pace of Greek sport, the aggressiveness of Greek sport forced Fee to have to chip off that wing, and that's when Greek sport got to be relentlessly aggressive and successfully aggressive. But anytime Arthur Fee lands a first serve, 
And anytime he has half a second to get into that forehand backswing, as he will whenever he plays on clay courts, oh my God, is that forehand explosive. Moves extraordinarily well in and out of his corners. Can chip the backhand as well as he can drive through it. And it's funny because his backswing is very compact. And yet it, it he doesn't sacrifice anything because he does extend so thoroughly through the ball. He's able to get outside the ball to generate angle, cross the court again, mixes in the drop shot very wisely. I can't emphasize enough, though, how heavy that forehand is when he has time to unload on it. He's confident moving forward behind it as well. You look in this match, an efficient 15 of 27 in the match uh, moving forward, but I think that's selling him short. 22 aces. I mean, again, that first serve looked so good in this match, and it just set up everything else he wanted to do. 62 winners, 44 unforced errors. You know, Greaseboard played well. 47 winners against 36 unforced errors. Now, he only made 58% of his first serves, but was serving 5-6 in the fifth. Like, this was a top 30 caliber match as an opening round match. And again, you look for Arthur Fee, who with this result, obviously going to consolidate his top 50 spot. He's currently sitting at 44, new career high in the live rankings. I think what's more impressive is he's 36th in the points race this year. He's been a top 40 guy for nine months this season now with what he's accomplished. And he's pretty much clinched himself a spot in the next gen finals, which again, to have a prominent French teenager in that event, it's been a while since you've we've had something to get excited about from the French men's tennis world. He is a real deal prospect because again, the technique is pure. Yes, the forehand backswing is big, but there's no hitch. It's not like the grip's extreme. It's just a little bit of a big backswing. Backhand technique is flawless. The first serve is a weapon. He's an excellent volleyer. He has the speed. He has the fluidity. He has the improvisational skills. I'm all in. I'm all in on Arthur Fee. I'm not, you know, he's not tier one yet. I need to see a little bit more before I put him in that. I guarantee he's going to win a slam before the end of the decade tier. He's in the conversation now of the best next-gen prospects. Like, hmm. Who am I more confident in, him or Musetti moving forward? Honest to God, I might have Fee over Musetti now. I think I've seen enough given their ages, given just I, I think Fee can do it across surfaces. Like That's how much I like the combination of what he can do on a court, how he executes his game style and technique perspective as well. He's also one of those elite athletes, You know, again, much like a Musetti, Aruna, and Alcaraz, all these guys you think about in the next generation – it's time for him to be included in that conversation moving forward. And, you know, again, I know that's a bold take after one first-round upset over a talent Greek sport, who, by the way, has two tour-level titles this year, has also been a top-40 guy all season long. But the quality of tennis in this was extraordinary. Again, Fee had to come up with serious ag- aggression and efficient aggression to hit Greek sport off his spots, and he did throughout the course of this match. So, again, five-set victory are maybe one of the biggest wins of the career for Arthur Fee, considering he lost first round this year in Roland Garros first round at Wimbledon to Davidovich Fokina. Uh, so now he gets to a second round of a major, a perfect sort of feather in the cap for what has been one of the breakout stars of the year. Again, your other two upsets will blitz through quickly here. These are the biggest storylines, folks. That's why I'm spending the most time on them. Baez over Chorich, 17 winners, 54 unforced errors for Chorich. That tells the story. I mean, bias is relentless. Can't give him a second chance. Wins a title last weekend's Winston-Salem. Leverages it into this first round upset. Can he win consecutive hardcourt matches for the second time in his career at a hardcourt event? Has a very op- winnable opportunity against Philip Milgini Elvez in round number two. He should win that match. He should get through to the third round and, you know, again, continue his push up into the top 40, top 35 once again. Other upset on the day, Berrettini over Umber, 4-2-2. and This was destruction. Matteo Berrettini looked like himself. That's the highest compliment I can offer him. Not much to take away from this match. The first serve, the first forehand, he was coming over the top of backhands. He got off to early break leads in each of the ma- uh, each of the sets. Berrettini was dominant. Like He was that good against Umber. He looked like the sort of guy we've seen make deep second week runs. And, you know, now he's knocked off the seed. So he has a very winnable round two match taking on Arthur uh, Rinderkanesh would then face the winner of Rublev Monfi in round three. Wouldn't that be fun? 
Those are your upsets on the day. They join Runa, FAA, Musetti, Bublik, Corda in the exit pool. I don't know how else to phrase that. I was going to say the loser circle. That's not very kind. But, you know, again, Runa was injured. Hatchinov and FAA. Hatchinov was injured. FAA hasn't been playing well. Musetti losing first round to Droguet is the only shocking upset, I would say, of the opening round. Team beating Bublik, no. Fucevic over Korda, no. Yeah, I would say the only shocking upset of the round is Droguet beating Musetti. Other than that, pretty expected opening round of play in terms of U.S. Open round one results. And with that in mind, let's move beyond the upsets. We now feel like we are well-established where the opportunities are in the draw in round one. Let's talk about the matches that went the distance here quickly. Six of them on the women's side already talked about Vickery Tossin. I was really impressed with Daria Kasakina. She was just, Alicia Parks came out hot. Like Alicia Parks, the young American, won her first title back in February, I believe in Lyon, on those indoor hard courts. She has this sort of power, the first serve, that first strike, her willingness and eagerness to get to the net to force you on your back foot. She can overwhelm opponents who aren't prepared for it. That's exactly what she did in the first set against Daria Kasakina. Parks was just exceptional, playing top 20 tennis. Kasakina slowed things down, got a little bit more aggressive in the depth she was playing with, really did a good job getting Parks stretched into the outer third, did a much better job absorbing the first blow, being prepared for the first blow. Now, Alicia Parks' first serve percentage wasn't the greatest in sets two and three either, but this was a very competitive, fun match and a very impressive win for Kasakina through inched straight sets. And again, a match I forecasted might be a little bit tricky, Best match of the day was between Alexandrova and Fernandez. Ekaterina Alexandrova surviving 7-6-5-7-6-4. Both players were up breaks in all three sets. I think Fernandez was up a break 4-3 in all three sets. She served for the opening set. Uh, the second set, excuse me, got broken twice, ultimately then breaking to secure a 7-5 uh, second set and force a third I mean, look, Fernandez was ready for the fight physically, extending every rally, getting Alexandrova stretched into the outer third, coming up with some ridiculous improvisational down the line or short angle cross court winners, beating her Alexandrova to the spot with her speed. But Alexandrova was patient. She was relentless. And you could tell she dropped to her knees after winning this first round match. You could tell how much it meant to her to get through that because that was a just as much a grind mentally as it was physically. Fernandez threw the kitchen sink at Alexandrova. That's a really fun match to go watch the three-minute U.S. Open highlight package of. It's a really important win for Ekaterina Alexandrova, just given, again, she's had a lot of 250 success, but what's a breakthrough slam result for Ekaterina Alexandrova? She doesn't really have one in her career thus far. Has a real opportunity to get to round number three. Now she'll take on Lysia Serenko in round two, who, funny enough, Serenko's actually a 50.9% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. That is fascinating. Finalist last week in Cleveland, Alexandrova now through to round number two, where she will take on Serenko. Uh, but again, a good victory for her in three sets. Speaking of Serenko, she won in three over Giacomo and then Martina Trevisan. First time in U.S. Open history, Love six, seven, six, seven, six. She knocks out Yulia Putenseva. Uh, that those are your six women's matches that went the distance. We've had 16 of the 64 first round matches, ultimately three set matches on the women's side. Yet five, five setters on the men's side. Let's start with Grigor. Fights off three match points. One with an exceptionally bold forehand half volley that just squeaks its way over the net. The other, again, a, a good plus one forehand set up a high backhand volley. That's not an easy one to execute, but he hits it boldly, decisively down the line for a winner. I mean, again, even the grind on match point for Dimitrov to ultimately get through, what was that, a 25-shot rally, something like that. Comes back from two sets to love down. 6-7-6-7-6-1-7-5-7-6 to knock off the lefty Alex Mulchan. Grigor Dimitrov, we've talked about it all season long. He has had a very good year 
uh, maybe his best since 2017. Certainly, you look at the numbers of what he's accomplished this season. No, there's not a definitive title run, but 28 and 15 overall in the year made the finals in Geneva. He's made quarterfinals or further uh, at events, excuse me, in Washington, Queens Club, Geneva, Marseille, and Rotterdam. Obviously, round of 16 Roland Garros, a result we hadn't seen from him in a while. Round of 16 Wimbledon, solid as well. Third round Australian Open, but a loss to Djokovic. No shame in that game. He has been a consistent top 20 guy this year, and that's why you look right now in the points race. Grigor Dimitrov currently sitting at 18th. That that feels about right. Needed to get through this one. Again, first time in his career has come back from two sets to love down. This would have just been a disappointing, balloon-popping sort of result for a guy who's had an exceptional year to date. And, you know, again, we all wanted the blockbuster, him versus Andy Murray in round number two. Now we get it. And, you know, again, shout out to Grigor for pulling his half of the equation. Murray, obviously, the straight set victory over Quarantine Mute that was never in doubt. Um, just picked on that backhand, which, of course, Mute now has to hit at one-handed either chip or try to come over the top of it, and Murray was just peeking forward every time. But that's a great win from Grigor in what has, again, been a, a really solid season for the veteran. Look, Hoobie's going to Hoobie. All he does is play three-set matches, five-set matches, whatever going the distance is as an, at an event. Hoobie likes to get his court time in. And look, again, it was a couple breaks in the opening set. 6-4-7-5 to Hoosler before the next three. 7-6-6-3-6-1 to Hercots. For a guy, though, who had a really good lead-up in this North American hardcourt stretch, made a semifinal right in Cincinnati, couldn't go out. First-round exit again at another early exit at a slam in Look, Hatchinov's been knocked out of his section. He does have the tricky lefty again in Jack Draper in round number two. And boy, if Draper gets that win, you feel like the young Brit is just back on the radar and has a real path to round number four, given that section of the draws. Now, Moe, Isner, Draper, Hercots. No matter who comes through, it's a fun storyline. If it's Moe, another American breakthrough. If it's Isner, retirement tour carries into week two. If it's Draper, the young Brit is back. If it's Hercots, it means he's serving well. He's dangerous. Needed to get through round number one. Again, the big serving, dangerous Hoosler, who has some weapons to make that Hercots forehand uncomfortable, but Hercots does grind through in five sets. Echeverry threw in five, Fee threw in five, and then shout out Wui Bing, particularly given some of the health issues he's had of late to get through in five sets over Dushan Lajevic. That's a big win uh, for E Bing, uh, a guy who, nicest guy in the world, uh, and we've had the chance to hang out with a little bit here at Crack Rack. It's good to see him healthy, good to see him getting victories. Let's move to the Americans now and you know, again, I'll try not to spend too much time on these American results. We'll rapid fire through most of the victories. Jessica Pagula sent a message. She said, oh, I know Camilla Georgie. She's won a 1,000 level titles. She has this power game. She can be dangerous. No, no, not today. Pagula punished every return with just blistering pace down the line. She's hot. She's confident. Two and two. She's through Georgie. Was never really a fight. Shout out to Madison Keys. Two and four over Aronksa Roos is an impressive result because, again, Roos, much like Wang Yafan, has had a ton of ITF-level success. Obviously, had the big win in Hamburg as well, but ton of uh, – not in Hamburg. Or was it in Hamburg? I think it was in Hamburg. But her ITF-level success uh, has built up her rankings back into the top 75. And, you know, again, lefty can play with heavy topspin, get you stretched into the outer third. No, no. Madison Keys hit through all of that was just walloping the topspin provided by her uh provided to her by Roos straight set victory again all the you know golf survived on day 1 but the big names all and i think the four best american uh, the best chances coming in for the americans are the four names that have carried us for the last half decade i think collins comes in hot obviously we saw that on day one her and goff both get victories pagula keys doing their jobs as well so they're each through in straight sets mentioned the victory upset win very good win for peyton stearns don't take these early slam victories for granted three and four she knocks off victoria tomova just again very quietly you look at what peyton stearns has managed to accomplish here this in her first 18 months on tour. She's up to number 53 in the live rankings. 21 years old, 53 in the live rankings. In terms of players under the ages, you know, ages 21 or under, she's the sixth highest ranked 21 or under player in the world. Now she'll turn 22 later this year, but 
I mean, come on now. And by the way, fun fact for all of you, seven of the top eight players ages 21 or under on the WTA Tour all advanced to round number two. Goff, Chinwen, Naskova, Shinyu, Stearns, Andriva, Avanesian, all through to the second round. Youth revolution continues on the WTA Tour, even as some of these younger players, and I still consider Sabalenka young, Rabakina young, obviously Iga Coco young, but man, this next wave is coming and they're coming in hot. And by the way, the only one who lost, Marta Kostyuk, drew Rabakina in round number one. So again, the young, talented players on the WTA Tour continue to show themselves. Peyton Stearns has to be included in that group now. She uh, gets a straight set victory over Tomova again, very she has a real shot at making the second week of this U.S. Open, given where she sits in the draw. And then the nightcap, good victory for Sonia Kennan. Straight set win over Bogdan. Kennan now going to face Kasatkina, which is a very winnable match for Sonia Kennan. Back up to number 91 in the live rankings. Back in the mix is the 2021, uh, excuse me, 2020 Australian Open champion. American women, 5-8 and eight overall in the day. Uh, the players knocked out in straight set. Well, Parks in three. You had Claire Lou knocked out by Samsonova. Six and three is a good result. Kruger, good result. Five and four against Bojkova. Two and one Montgomery knocked out by Lise. Pavlachenkova, two and four. What was a fun match versus Fiona Crawley. Dalahide knocked out four and three by Burel. And then Naskova, boy, did she look good in a two and one victory over Madison Brangle. Last but not least, of course, Hreetmanen. One and one over Venus. That's a tough one for Venus overall on the day. Uh, on the American men's side, only four. Uh, by the way, American women finished the round 11 and 13 overall, but 11 women through to the round of 16. Pagula, Goff, Keys, Para, Brady, Collins, Davis, Townsend, Vickery, Stearns, Kennan. Can we get six? To the round of 32, certainly Goff, Pagula, Keys. You'd all expect two. Collins has Mertens, but I'd put her as a favorite there. Four. So can we get two of Para, Brady, Davis, Townsend, Vickery, Stearns, and Kennan in? I think we can get two of those in. I think we're going to get to six. I think 11 through to round two. I expect six and five. That's my number. The over-under is five and a half. Do five and a half, uh, more or less than five and a half American women advance to round three. You can tweet us at A.L. Gruskin or X us at A.L. Gruskin at Cracked Rackets uh, to let us know your thoughts. On the men's side, three and one for the Americans. We mentioned the Mo victory over Hatchinov. Isner keeps the retirement tour rolling four, three, and six. Was never really in doubt against Diaz Acosta. Alex Mickelson, 4-3-4. and That's a really impressive victory for the 19-year-old American over the Spanish veteran Albert Ramos Vinolas. I thought Vinolas was going to have him stretched in the outer thirds. I thought he was going to work that forehand around the court. Just again, get Mickelson, who has a great first step, isn't the most fluid yet. But man, Mickelson imposed his will, went up early breaks in sets one and two, never let them go away, went down a break 3-2 in set number three, wins four of the next five games to close it out in straights. His serve, biggest weapon on the court. You get something high, shoulder height at his forehand, he can just bunt down on that ball and drive through it. He mixes in the drop shot so well. He is so good at moving forward and closing points out at the net. He's the real deal. He will be top 100 soon. And right now you look for Alex Mickelson with this result. He is currently sitting at number 115 in the live rankings. One more victory gets him up to 105, but again, 19 years old, right where he wants to be to uh, kick off his pro career. The only guy who got knocked out, uh, shout out to Moreno Delbron, Nicolas Moreno Delbron. This was his first main draw qualifying former college standout, uh, knocked out by Lorenzo Sanego in straight sets. Speaking of the college standouts, let's talk about how they performed on the day. The women, one and one overall, already mentioned. Stern's a winner. Crawley knocked out. Men go four and three overall on the day. Isner, Rinder Kanesh. Uh, excuse me, Mickelson, and then uh, who I threw in for now, and then Rinder Kanesh, uh, three, four, and two. Uh, the former A&M All-American knocked out Diego Schwartzman. That's a good win for the Frenchman. A match he should win at this point on hard courts, but he does indeed pull through. And then you know again, Cam Norrie straight sets over Shevchenko. Uh, those were your four winners. The three guys knocked out Hanfman, knocked out in straights by Sinner. Zverev, uh, uh, excuse me, 
Yeah, Vukic knocked out in straights by Sinner, and then Moreno Delbron knocked out in straights by Sinego. So you look overall, 27 players in the men's and women's singles draw with college ties. The women go 4-3 and three in round number one. Men go 10-10 ten and ten overall in round number one. And Nori, Sarundalo, Eubanks, all seeds, they survive. You have McDonald, Goyo, Hijikata, Shelton, Isner, Rinder, Kanesh, and we'll throw in Mickelson for now in that group. I say that with a little bit of an asterisk. Set the over-under at four and a half. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. Again, Miyazaki, Brady, Collins, Stearns, all advancing for the women. I'd set the over-under at one and a half. Yeah, we'll set. We'll say for the men, we'll set the under, over-under at four and a half, get to round number three, and again, We will enjoy the ride each and every day. We'll be back here to update you on results for those players until I suppose they're all knocked out. Although, if you're looking more broadly for updates on everything happening with pro uh, pro results from players with college ties, go check out the Great Shot podcast feed. John Parsons and I break down those results each and every week in our summer editions of The Deciding Point. Last but certainly not least... I know you guys want to hear, how did the top seeds perform? Well, again, I started this podcast by saying it was a rather mundane day. It's because all the top seeds cruised. Sabalenka, 3-2, and two, never in doubt. Pagula, 2-2, two and two, never in doubt. Von Drusova, 3-0, never in doubt. Keys, Chinwen, 1-0, never in doubt. Pliskova, Svitolina. You know, again, all advancing in comfortable straight set fashion, we're going to start with other notable results as soon as those seeds start to get pushed a little bit further because a lot of the top seeds right now look the part and not to keep beating this drum, but this gets back to what I talked about in my draw preview, particularly on the women's side. We know who the best players in the world are for the first time in about three years. And so, you know, until those players start going to head to head, I think we're going to see fairly consistent results. Again, I didn't view any of the first round upsets we saw on the women's side as shocking it's because all the top dogs have looked the part thus far, except, I suppose, Anjabur, who certainly got pushed. 7-5, She knocks out Kami Osorio. Now, she served for the match twice in the second set. 5-4, 6-5, broken both times. Kami made way too many unforced errors. Like, she had the physicality. She had the creativity. She had the pace to make that match so uncomfortable for Jabur, who was clearly under the weather. And that's always tough to say, right? Make the player who's under the weather have to work that much more physically, but that's what you have to do. You have to have that degree of ruthlessness, dare I say, if you want to defeat the reigning finalist. Again, just too many unforced errors overall on the day. 14 winners against 39 unforced errors for Osorio. Now, Jabur, 43 unforced errors, but 25 winners. Neither player served particularly well. You had 13 breaks of serve overall in this match. I mean, again, it was pretty broken tennis. It was very physical. And that's why, you know, I just, if you're Kami Osorio, throw up that additional moon ball. Throw in that additional slice. Make Jabur continue to come up with special things because the errors were coming off of Jabur's rackets just as frequently. I just thought she gave away too many points for free. Still, it continues to prove Kami Osorio has the goods. Once she puts all those pieces together, figure out, hey, here's my plan A, she's going to be a consistent top 50 player. That said, the best ones find a way to survive. Anshabur did. She was really the top contender, the person you'd have in your top 10 list who got threatened most significantly, I would say, on the women's side, but managed to survive. You know, again, Sabalenka, Pagula, Vondrusova, Keys, Samsonova, Pliskova, they all, Svitolina, they all looked pretty good on the day. Your other straight set winners will rapid fire through Baraj, Hreetminen, Kaya Kanepi, Avelise, Pavlochenkova, Stearns, Burel, Teague, Vickmeyer, Martich, very impressive 2 and one win over Tatiana Maria, Naskova, Bolter, Korpats, and Kennan. Those are your players advancing to day number four of this event. Now, on the men's side, I mean, again, Elkaraz, Medvedev, and Sinner lost a combined 5, 6, 10 games in... Eight total sets. 
Alcaraz, 6 2 3 2. Unfortunately, Kofor forced to retire due to injury. Medvedev, 1 love and love against a guy in Balaz who's again coming off of injury time, uh, an injury and has to use his protected ranking. And then the Sinner Hoffman match was choppier than the 3 1 1 scoreline would suggest. Hoffman certainly had multiple opportunities to hold. But man, Sinner showed off some wheels. That was my most impressive thing, is how physically prepared he seems for this event. Again, the, all the top dogs looked apart. Those are three of your unequivocal top four contenders, with the fourth being Djokovic, and then there's a Delta. They all looked apart. Now, the fifth guy, Zverev, also did. It was up a, a break for the majority of the third set, seated that break back for four all, immediately broke Vukic for 5-4, served it out for 6-4, and what was ultimately a straight set victory. Good win for Rublev to steady the ship. Straight sets over the lucky loser, Arthur Cazzo. Uh, obviously, that was supposed to be Emil Rusevori. Rusevori forced to pull out with illness. So Rublev threw in straights. Demon pushed to four, but he's through. Big win for Cam Nori. Three, th- uh, two and two over Shevchenko. Maybe that just gets the juices flowing. Yari, a four-set winner over Van Asha. Knew that one would get testy. And then how about Dan Evans? He r- rides off that DC momentum. He gets a much-needed first-round victory over Daniel Galan. Your other winners on the day. Botic, Arnaldi, Harris, and then the classics, Murray over Mute, Wawrinka looked real good in a straight set win over Nishioka, Sinego, Draper, Isner, Mickelson, Rinderkanesh, Melgini Elvez, Mofi, Sue, who knocked off Kokonakis in four sets. I think that would be figuratively a little bit of an upset. Altmaier in four, O'Connell in four. Those are your players who advance to day number four of this event. Now, of course, if you're looking for thoughts on day three, the Great Shot podcast feed is the place for you. We preview each and every day's action there. Our day four preview will be posted Wednesday around 4 or 5 p.m. Eastern time. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, for all of the latest and greatest equipment at the best prices, tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.